25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the West right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Football, what up? Have you ever gotten good advice? Have you ever gotten some good advice? You didn't act on it and later you wish you had? Well, I just got some good advice and I'm going to act on it right now. It came on the text line via text message. At 885 ESPN from 100 Grand. And he said, Matt, stop explaining yourself to people who know nothing about football and just play some boom and let it ride. Excellent advice. And I'm doing it. I'm not waiting till tomorrow, I'm worried about today. The Sonic Boom from J.S.U. Come on! The hair I have is standing up. Roll down the window and turn it up. Whew. Gracious alive. I need a moment. <laughs> Great advice from 100 grand on the text line. I'm Matt. I'm in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. How's that the for a start to hour number two? Uh, Farm Bureau, they are your home team. Local agents. Competitive rates. Fast service and friendly service. It's everything you want when it comes to dealing with insurance. And somebody you can deal with one-on-one, face-to-face. That's what you get at Farm Bureau. Also, I stay connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. A hat tip. To Ceasefire CEO Hugh Mina for his recognition that he deserves as the leader at Ceasefire. The Hall of Fame gave him the Rube Award, named after Mr. Rubenstein, for every year and in lots of different ways, continuing to support and be involved in, uh, in lots of different ways, including financially supporting sports in Mississippi. So hats off to Hugh. Reamed, steamed, and dry clean. How about that? Wasn't that, that was Michael Rubenstein? That was, that was, oh, you remember? Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Well, I met him. I never met uh, Rubenstein or, or knew like him really but when he was. When he lived was, out of market, yeah. Yeah, when he was on the news, you know, on sports. 
but always knew of him and then met him after college and when he was at the Mississippi Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame. Kind of got to know him that way a little bit. He had a really interesting personality he brought to the game. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Speaking of interesting personalities, in about one minute, we're going to get uh, former Tennessee Vol wide receiver Jason Swain. Has his own show now. He's a Huntsville native. Has his own show up there in Knoxville. And you can watch it and listen to it online. We're going to get him on in about one minute. Before that, though, going to hit Chicken Hawk one more time. we got about one minute, Chicken Hawk, on the Divinity Equipment phone. So let it rip. What's up? Oh, I done made it to the pretty of Hail State. <laughs> Attaboy. Hail State. Well, I'm talking about, hey, look at here. Uh, yesterday, I thought I was listening to Big Daddy Y'all. You know, I thought y'all done changed times again on me. You were just careful and careful. <laughs> Wanting to listen to yourself inside that talk back on them headphones. Yeah, who? What, were, then, what What do you mean? Like when I was, what was I talking about, though? I can't remember, dude. That's like, look, you know, I told you a while ago I had something missing. You yeah. know what was wrong with my phone? What? I had the volume cut down. I had it almost cut off. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't kill that puppet. But look here. Like now, then, let me get something on old Roger Dodger over there. Because Roger Dodger, I thought that, uh, I was on the professor's show, you know, like that concussion stand, you know, that the professor was talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because what what did Roger Dodger call your vehicle? Oh, he called it um, exhibition. An exhibition in, instead yeah, of. Yeah, an exhibition. <laughs> that was great. Look here, it's, Roger Dodger. Let's rub it off of me, man. Hey, you can't never talk about my man, the professor, no more, Roger. Uh, I'd have to. It would have to be hey, a lot better than that right. to compete. Though. Let me leave this for the weekend. a boy. Hey, I got. Hey, hey, don't. Hey, hey, Chicken Hawk, you still there? Wait. Get your cowbell. Get your cowbell ready. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> See, we can pull it off. We didn't even plan that. All right, buddy. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Yeah, you too, bro. See you. All right. See you. That's great. Love that skit. Res Dog. Saturday Night Live. That's a great skit. Res Dog on the text line, Roger, says this. I've gotten in my truck three times, and all I've heard is Chicken Hawk. Just give that dude his own show. You think Chicken Hawk could do his own show? I mean, he's he's already telling us he can't remember anything. We were talking about sayings, don't wish for it, work for it. That's right. And Zach, thank you for your text. Zach simply says, I love this show. (laughs) Well, we do too. And I like your spelling as well. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to have a chance to catch up with someone who used to uh, suit up, make plays in the SEC. Up on Rocky Top. First time guest on this show uh, and have looked forward to this. You know, Tennessee on Mississippi State's schedule this year. State's going to go to Knoxville for the first time in 11 years. Is that right? 11 or 12. I think the last trip to Knoxville for Mississippi State was maybe like 2008, which doesn't sound like that long ago for somebody like me, as old as I am, but it's been a long time. So let's do it right now over here on the Divinity Equipment phone line. On Twitter, he is Swain Event. Jason, 
Swain, former All-SEC wide receiver for the Volunteers in the early 2000s. He's on your radio right now from Rocky Top. What's up, Jason? What's going on? Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. I was looking at some of uh, the things on the schedule, and i got to tell you, I'm just looking forward to getting to travel with State this year to Knoxville. It's been so long since I've been up there. Like I say, I guess it was 2008. And for State fans who are listening right now to our voices, what do you think State's going to run into when they go to Knoxville this year? Is, is Pruitt, is he kind of, is the word that he's getting it on track there in Knoxville? No, I think, I think he's absolutely doing that. Um, there's a lot that needs to still be done, but uh, the culture, just the winning culture is something that, that Pruitt is working on, and he's, you know, he's getting closer to that each and that each day mm-hmm. uh he's brought in a couple of recruiting classes guys um that have played early um guys that play early last year that's going to be um counted on to play a lot this year make plays um so proof a lot of things that he had to fix medical staff um uh, strength and conditioning was an issue um i mean tennessee had several guys getting hurt mm-hmm. just yesterday tennessee um, lost an offensive lineman due to retirement, and that's been ten offensive linemen in the last uh, two to three years. Wow. Um, so it's just you know, just injuries have been just a big problem for Tennessee, um, and it's you know it relates to strength conditioning. You know that mm. it relates to your medical staff, and all three of those um, entities have to be on the same page: um, medical staff, strength conditioning, coaching staff. And so Tennessee is fixing those things, uh, but I think they'll be better this year, and the. The, the game between Tennessee and Mississippi State is really going to be fun to watch between two coaches entering their second year. No doubt about it. Jason Swain on your radio right now. Y'all follow him on Twitter at Swain Event. And go to his website, SwainEvent.com. You can listen live there, watch live morning 7 to 10, and all your information you need right there, so check that out. So um, we were doing lists of stadiums this week just for fun and you know, it's been a long time, but I've been up there for games in Knoxville a few times over the years uh, in different capacities, and it's still, it's just something about it. It's way up there on my list. And I wonder, as a former player, uh, you've seen it full so many times, played in front of that environment there at Neyland Stadium. Is it back? Is it there? Are people attending and buying those tickets, or are they still working on that also? No, it's not. It's not back. It's not there. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about Neyland Stadium, it is it is peak. You think about a hundred and two plus thousand fans, and it's and it's loud and it's hard to hear, and mm-hmm. you know it just hasn't been that way consistently. Um, in 2016, uh, it was like that at home against Florida. 2015, when uh, Tennessee hosted Oklahoma and pretty much had them on the ropes and had a chance to beat them, but let them slip away. They came back and Baker Mayfield led a great comeback, and uh, Oklahoma won. I mean that was that was a loud play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two years, it just it just hasn't been that way uh, because the fans really haven't had a reason to get that loud. Um, you know, growing up, I thought if I, if I bought and wore Michael Jordan shoes, I could dunk like Michael Jordan. <laughs> but that's not the case at all. You know, the person makes the shoes, mm-hmm. and the people make Neyland Stadium special. And it's a big place, but if you got a hundred thousand people sitting there and they're not cheering. It's really like any other place in college football. What makes these places special is, is the people uh, and them, you know, being loud and being uh, obnoxious to the opposing fan base and or to the opposing team. But it just hasn't been that way because you know they, they haven't had much to, to cheer about. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the injuries a bit ago, Jason. Um, 
one former Mississippi State recruit. I know State really uh, coveted and tried like everything to sign Emmett Gooden. Uh, he eventually went yeah. to Tennessee, and then I see the news where um, you know he's expected to play and start and tore his ACL. How big of a loss is that on that defensive front? It's a big loss. Other than Derek Garantano at the quarterback position, uh, injury at the defensive line uh, was going to be very, very um, you know, important for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And that's the position where Tennessee just graduated three starters, three starters off the front. And Emmett Goodman was supposed to be kind of the guy returning from that last year's group. Um, they'll be playing a true freshman. They'll be playing a couple other Juco players that came in last, came in this year. And so uh, a defensive line that already had questions because of graduation will will continue to have questions because of the injury of Emmett Gooden. And you just you just root for a guy like him. Um, you know, he's on last chance you you saw kind of his his, his where he came from, his background and you know, it's it's hard to fight to get back to, you know, a place like Tennessee or Mississippi State or anywhere from JUCO. You know, we're keeping boys up there in Arkansas, but it's you know, it's tough, you know, JUCO um kind of the atmosphere for him to get back here put himself in position do something special and then have an ACL tear you just really hate it for him and you just wish nothing but the best for him sure let's kick it around the SEC and look at a few of the other uh, teams that are on the schedule we've kind of touched on this you know state going up there uh, to Knoxville this year in the cross division but every year it's a Tennessee Florida thing Tennessee Georgia from a mm-hmm. Tennessee perspective Jason how do you view Dan Mullen and Florida and not only the kind of coach he is, but whether or not he can build that program to challenge for that Eastern Division. How do you view things at Florida under Dan Mullen? Well, I think I think Dan Mullen's a heck of a coach when it comes to developing quarterbacks and developing, you know, offensive players. I mean, we saw that at Mississippi State. You know, mm-hmm. he was he was a remarkable. Um, but you understand the Florida job comes with just it comes with different responsibilities than mm-hmm. than other jobs in the SEC. I mean, you look at what's going on down there now. I mean, he has a lot of off the field issues. You know, Urban Meyer had a lot of things that that kind of was out of his control that was going to get him in trouble. Um, because the people surrounding the program, there's just a lot more that you have to deal with at Florida. And I don't know if Dan Mullen has the personality to, to deal with it or not. Um, I know he's made comments before about, you know, kind of recruiting and, and, you know, guys like Pruitt and, and Tom Herman and, you know, Nick Saban, the Davos Sweeney, those guys like love recruiting. Uh, they live it, they eat it, they breathe it. And I don't know how serious Dan Mullen is about recruiting or not, um, but it seems like he's doing a pretty good job so far. Uh, I just don't know the, the the day-to-day grind of having to recruit, uh, dealing with off-the-field issues. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to kind of handle that and, and win at the same time. It's certainly a hard job. And, you know, it's the reason why most coaches who – have been in the SEC um, during Nick Saban's time. They they haven't been successful because it's a day to day grind, and it usually eats up eats up guys and spit them out. Yeah, and and at the same time too, you know, you look at what Kirby Smart and Georgia are doing right now, and I mean that thing, viewing it from a distance, and I'm look, I mean that deal right there is just incredible. The four and five star players they're stacking up at Georgia, it's um, I mean it's on Alabama's level, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember taking a visit there. You know, Mark Rick was there. And, I mean, you're, you're 45 minutes away from Atlanta. Um, I mean, Athens is a beautiful town. You know, they already had players there, and Kirby just kind of came and turned it up a little bit. Um, you know, they 
Kirby's fortunate, man. Excuse me, he's fortunate because, you know, Jake Fromm is just a special type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely intelligent, great leader. Um, they lost um, Nick Chubb and Sweeney Michelle and Roquan uh, Smith. So I, I wonder how he's going to replace the leadership. Um, the talent is going to be there, but the leadership is what makes makes it different. If it was all about talent, I think Nick Saban would be, you know, a na- national champion every single year. But the years that he hasn't won, there's always been like something with leadership or uh, something that's not talent. And um, for Kirby, I wonder what's going to happen, you know, once Drake Fromm leaves or, you know, once this leader graduated or this leader goes to the NFL, um, Kirby's replacing his offense coordinator and defense coordinator. But it's always easier when you have talent, man. Mm-hmm. You always got a chance. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see what happens with Kirby this year. No doubt. Jason Swain on your radio Right now, y'all follow him on Twitter at Swain Event, and it's SwainEvent.com. You can find the information there, SwainEvent.com. Watch his show, listen to his show uh, every morning, weekdays, if you'd like, uh, and check him out. Yeah, you know, the the thing with the Eastern Division, you know, you played there, you were an All-SEC player at Tennessee as a receiver in um, in the early 2000s. Not too far removed from when I was in school in the 90s, man, the Eastern Division was the strongest division. I mean, Tennessee, Florida, and Georgia used to kind of run things there during the Fulmer and Spurrier era. Is it going to take Nick Saban retiring, hanging it up, whenever that is, for that to ever have a chance to happen again, you think? Yeah, probably. Mm. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, a guy, a guy like Les Miles, who was so successful at LSU, the only reason he's not at LSU is because he just couldn't beat Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, Nick Saban has gotten so many coaches fired. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Tennessee had a chance a couple of years ago when Steve Spurrier was in South Carolina and he was kind of getting burnt out. Uh, Georgia was kind of, kind of, you know, kind of pilling around, uh, not understanding their true um, abilities. Uh, you know, Florida had Jim McElwain, you know, Tennessee had a chance there in 2015, 2016 to really make a push and get out in front. And Tennessee messed up that 15 season, 16 season without uh, not taking advantage of the East being down. And Georgia went out and brought in Kirby Smart. Florida walked, you know, brought in um, um, Dan Mullins. South Carolina brought in Will Muschamp. And this made it harder for, for Tennessee because back in the day when – Tennessee was going to South Carolina and taking out the best players from Carolina or going to Mississippi or going to you know, Alabama, going to Ohio. I mean, you could do that. But now you got Clemson you have to worry about. Uh, no Mississippi State. No Miss doesn't. They do a great job of keeping their players in state. You know, LSU, you're not going to go down there and just take players from Louisiana. It's harder for Tennessee to go and recruit in other states. Tennessee is not a state known for a lot of in-state talent like Louisiana and, and Georgia and Florida. So it just makes it a little bit tougher for Tennessee. And it's going to be a um, you know a day-by-day rebuild. Um, but I think it's going to be really hard for Tennessee to get back to where it was when Nick Saban's in the league. I mean, he's just he's dominant. He's one of the best ever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I you're right now. Tennessee used to go get who they wanted. And I guarantee you, in Huntsville, Alabama, in about 2002 or three, there had to be some Alabama-Auburn fans going, Swain's going to Tennessee? What? What is yeah. happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Tommy Toberville was at Auburn. I mean, he, 
he did a good job in all four, but they were undefeated and didn't even have a chance to play for a championship. Yeah. Um, you know, Alabama was going through, you know, their issues, just getting off probation and they had basically three coaches in a week. Um, I remember being recruited by Mike Shula, Dennis Frantoni, and Mike Price all in one week there. <laughs> so um, That's great. Uh, I'm not and I'm not kidding, I'm I'm dead serious. I mean, guys like Demarcus Russell left left the state. Um, you know, Chad Jackson who went to Florida and was a second round pick. In the NFL, left the state. We had a lot of good good players from Alabama that left the state around that time because Alabama just, you know, just just kind of beating themselves. And that's where it starts. You know, it starts with administration, mm. president, chancellor, uh, AD. And Tennessee has had a lot of turnover in those areas, and it's it's a reason why Tennessee has had some 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 issues there. They're being consistent and kind of staying staying relevant. I think Tennessee. Now has that leadership in place uh, with the with the president, chancellor, and AD now, and so you're starting to see more moves forward in the right direction instead of two steps forward and you know one two steps back like it was in the last you know ten years. Sure, Jason, thank you so much for some of your time here today on a Friday, man. We're gonna do this again soon. It's fun to talk football with you. Thank you. Hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you. all have a good weekend. All right, you too. Thank you so much. It's Jason Swain, former Tennessee Vol. All-SEC receiver. Check out SwainEvent.com. Follow him on Twitter, at SwainEvent. Rolling along with you on a Friday in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. All right, back. Hate to keep hammering this. No, it's not the fact that even Kelly Bryant says, it's just a ring. I, I wasn't there. I'm going to get a ring for not being there. It's not that. It's hammering the idea that the quarterback competition at Mississippi State is settled. It was settled the day Tommy Stevens transferred in there. That's what some people believe and want you to believe. It's just not true. And what I, the reason I would hammer it one more time, now I'm not going to spend long on it, but just to reiterate is because if you listen to my show, I want you to be able to, when it comes up in your conversations with your friends and family and other fans and stuff, I want you to be able to confidently say, well, Matt Wyatt said, because I want it to be clear where I stand on this, because frankly, I know what I'm talking about. I sent out a video this morning. It's a clip from Brett Hudson on this show yesterday, I believe it was. Yeah, yesterday. I actually, let's see, I actually don't have it in the queue here to play for you, but you remember he was on yesterday. And basically, what Brett said is he said, Do fans, do people actually believe that a coach won't do what's best for the team? Do they, he said, do they, he reiterated, he said, do they actually believe that? Do they actually believe that if there was one quarterback who was clearly ahead of the other, 
they did, they wouldn't play him. They would still play the other simply because he transferred in. Yeah. I just and this is what I'm saying. In resp- there were lever- several responses to that, including a friend of mine, Matt Stevens, who used to be a media member here in the state of Mississippi. He's elsewhere now. He's originally from the Illinois area, but uh, I'm not sure exactly where Matt is now. He tweeted at me and he said, "I agree with the premise of your arguments, but may I counter with the logical idea that players are aware, or have people around them who are aware, once they decide to transfer." And thinking less of schools who bring in grad transfers and then don't start slash play them. See, again, and, and that's, I'm yeah, okay, everybody makes decisions that are best for them. Even in a situation like Tommy Stevens transferring into Mississippi State. Tommy Stevens looks at it and goes, is there a starter? No. There's a guy who's played. He's young. Well, I'll have, I've got three years under Moorhead. I already know the terminology. This guy's only had one year. I'm older. You know? So it makes sense. It's an opportunity for me to go play there versus somewhere else. And then Moorhead and his staff are going, hey, let's bring in a player who might win the starting job. Who could probably be our starter? He's that he's good enough to be our starter. Let's go bring in a player who's better than the ones we have. <laughs> That's how it works. But there are no guarantees. You cannot lie to the team. Meaning, the most important and meaningful period of time towards a quarterback winning the starting job is fall practice. It must be one in fall practice. Yeah, but they brought him in with one year. They probably guaranteed him the job. They can guarantee him all he wants. But unless he goes out in fall camp and actually gets them in the end zone and plays well, you can't fool your team. He's got 10 other guys on the field with him who are bleeding and sweating and broken. And they are sacrificing everything to win a game. You think they want to get, be in the huddle with somebody who can't do it? They want to be in the huddle with the best guy they have. They don't care who he is. So again, I tell you, there are a lot of people who weigh in on these things, and they're you don't in sports and analogy and, and analysis and all this kind of stuff, you don't have to be a former player or coach to make great points, to be smart, to understand certain things. But there are some things you can't fully understand unless you've been in it. Like the idea they can bring me in with one year left and I appear to be the starter and I already have a leg up on the competition, but I still must go to practice and prove it or my teammates won't accept it. <laughs> so take that and run with it because I can guarantee it with 100% certainty. If anybody tells you anything contrary, cover one eye. I don't want you to get hurt. That's all I'm saying. News update real quick. Last night, there were a a whole round, a whole bivy of NFL preseason games. And there were a couple local guys who played. Yeah, hang on a second here. Uh, Somebody texted in and said, would you agree that Stevens could have been told it's your job to lose? Yeah, sure, they could have told him that. But there's always a chance to go out and lose it because I got news for you. Keaton Thompson's really good. What, what no coach worth one dime of his paycheck will ever do. 
is watch practice and not play the best player. Now, sometimes you can be wrong in an evaluation, but if you if you sit and play another guy simply because you like him, simply because you told him something in recruiting, you're going to have problems. You hear me? You will have problems if you do that. Most coaches, especially at this level, they give them that tell them whatever. Hey, it's your job to lose. Hey, you got the upper hand. You know more about this offense than somebody else does. You got a great chance to be our starter. Really good chance. And then practice starts, and it's like, hey, look, you still have to prove it. And if you prove it, fine. If you don't, play the other guy. All right, uh, back to the NFL preseason thing real quick. First of all, Gardner Minshew played a good bit last night for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got whipped in their preseason game. The scores don't really matter in the preseason, but it was Baltimore 29, Jacksonville nothing. Um, But Gardner Minshew on the field battling for the backup job for the Jacksonville Jags to try to be Nick Foles' backup. The other name that kind of popped out last night was Chad Kelly. Swag. The Colts and the Bills played each other. Colts were, uh, you know, competitive in the game. Chad Kelly threw for 121 yards, and he led the Colts in rushing with 53 yards and a touchdown. Most of that 53 yards came on one run, or all of it. (laughs) He had a long run for a touchdown. Yeah, he played really well. Now, you know, he's not competing for a starting job. That's Andrew Luck, period, end of story. But, I mean, Kelly can play. If he can keep his head screwed on straight off the field, he's a very competitive backup. And, look, Andrew Luck is hes always hurt. So that happened. Uh, pretty decent debut for Daniel Jones last night, the backup for Eli Manning and the Giants. Um, and that's, you know, in terms of high points, that's – that's just really a few of them. A lot of people making a big deal out of the Denver deal. I'm sorry, the uh, the Cleveland deal. You know, good for them. Um, look good. Baker Mayfield looked good. Had a neat story in there. You're going to hear all about that everywhere you look. Here's one other thing that I want to uh, pass your way. I want to I send this your way. There's a Twitter account out there called Stadium. They have an a college basketball insider named Jeff Goodman. He's popular, does a lot of writing. And he made a list, it's out there on Twitter right now, of kind of ranking all these different aspects of the SEC men's basketball jobs. He ranked all of them, all 14 SEC men's basketball jobs, in these categories. History and tradition, media exposure, game atmosphere, budget resources, Buy games, meaning going out and buying games, recruiting base, facilities, and then an overall ranking as they add it all up. And according to Jeff Goodman at Stadium, Mississippi State came in 14th out of 14 schools overall, men's basketball, and Ole Miss came in 13th out of 14. Now, and as it is right now, to his credit, he's got Ole Miss ahead of State, even though State, coming off a year, they were a five seed. But, like, here's an example, one thing that raised an eyebrow for me. Game atmosphere, he actually had State at 13 and had Ole Miss 14. (laughs) And I'm like, how can anybody call themselves an insider in college basketball and say that right now 
Ole Miss's atmosphere would be behind State's. To me, it almost kind of threw the whole list out. Back on the show, man. We got a big old storm brewing outside the studio, Roger. Really? Outside the Farm Bureau studio. Yeah, like a lot of the light that comes in here for me when I'm broadcasting comes through two big windows, sunlight coming in, you know? And, uh... Well, the dimmer came on. Buddy, <laughs> it's dark in here right now. Gosh. Down here we have what they call them those pop-up showers. I mean, they could be drenchers, but you could drive out of it. Yeah. You know, right. not far off. Maybe that's what it'll be. Am I crazy? I sent you this text this morning, Roger, and, and again, I know you... You, you're battling through the day with, um, after uh, seeing, yeah, <laughs> your tussies. Is, I saw the earthquake. Yeah, we had an earthquake in Madison. There was a two point something magnitude earth. Quite it from you before I knew about it. Well, see, that's the thing. Now, like I see, there was what does it say? There's a two point eight something earthquake in Madison. Saw it on Twitter. I was sitting in the car waiting on my wife to come out of the grocery store. And so I text you and said, earthquake, and you're telling me you didn't even feel a thing. I was just rolled back over when I heard the, I heard the little ding go off. I was so happy I could sleep through my pain. <laughs> I'm like, uh, this, yeah. is, this is important, they'll call. Okay. <laughs> I'm just no, wondering. I got it, up and I read about it. It's three miles deep, and it just caused dishes to rattle. Just a, I mean, right in the immediate area. Yeah. I'm just so. curious if anybody actually felt the earthquake in Madison. Feel the earth move under your feet. Yep. That song. Like an oldie but a goodie, and then somebody you remade it. it, right? <laughs> who was that? Who, who was that? I don't know. I should know, but I don't know. Hey, I'm going to um, go with one of the latest <clears throat> singers. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Good enough. Carol King, if I had to guess. We'll just, we'll just use a really broad paintbrush. I think it was a woman. <laughs> He's saying that. 50-50. <laughs> That's right. Hey, um, I want to take a chance here, just a minute here, just to uh, kind of vent. Um, it was Carol King. Ah, oh, it was Carol King. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm take a minute to vent personally. Okay. Um, sad day in the Wyatt household. Because my hey, listen to that thunder. You hear the thunder? Yeah. My wife's grandfather, um, Bill Smith, ninety-four years old, passed away this morning. Uh, he'd recently had some a hospital stay and things kind of went south from there. Uh, Pretty healthy up until the recent troubles. Yeah, yeah. They're relatively healthy. He was very lucky to have him that long. Man, I tell you. And her, and her grandmother's still with us, too, and she's unbelievable. Uh, Miss Mary Smith. We call them, we call them mom and pop. Um, mom, 91. Pop's 94. Uh, and it's just amazing. You know, to, my wife, so fortunate to be at this point in her life, still have, she, uh, up until today, three of her four grandparents. Or both of her grandmothers are still living, but Anyway, uh, yeah, Mr. Smith, Bill Smith, he really is um, 
uh, just such a great story and a great guy. He born and raised in Houston, Mississippi, and um, of course went off to war, World War II, went into the Navy, and so was in the Pacific on a ship. And he told some really interesting stories there. He, I, I am paraphrasing how he wound up at Ole Miss. He was going to go to Mississippi State, being from Houston, back, you know, pre-World War II. His plans were, I'm going to go to Mississippi State. And he goes into the war, spent time in New York, then he's on a ship in the Pacific, and he made a friend. Um, among the soldiers he was with, there was another guy from Mississippi who was from the Delta. And Pop used to tell the story, again, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but he intentionally went and introduced himself and began to talk to this fellow soldier in World War II who was, they were both from Mississippi. They had that in common. But it wasn't just on Bill, his accord, that he searched out this other soldier from Mississippi. Roger, some guys came to Pop and on his ship and said, hey, there's a guy over here in this other unit that's from Mississippi, and he just found out that his brother has been killed in France. And you're from Mississippi, too. Why don't you go talk to him? And so anyway... My wife's grandfather, this is while they're in the war, went, talked to them, and they became really close friends. I think the other guy's nickname was Peck. He called him Peck. And so Bill and Peck, they became buddies. And Peck, after the war, they got to talking, and because of one was from the Delta, one was from Houston, they were just going to go to college together at an in-between spot geographically, and that happened to be Ole Miss. <laughs> And so he went to Ole Miss. Pop was a, a cheerleader for the football team in the late 1940s. Um, he was really close friends with K.O. Dotley, who was a running back at Ole Miss. He met Mary, and they fell in love at Ole Miss. Mary, who is my wife's grandmother, who's still living, she's now a widow as of this morning, she uh, was Miss Ole Miss in 1948 the year that Charlie Connerly was also, uh, he got the Colonel Reb Award that year, and Mom was Miss Ole Miss in 1948. Now, is that different than being, like, the homecoming queen? Yes, it is. There was something, two yes, homecoming. two different things, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's how a lot of this generational thing of them being that family, my wife's family being, you know, several generations of Ole Miss fans and students and graduates. It started with them. And, um, yeah, and so years later, um, Bill, Pop, they moved back to Houston. Um, he went into insurance and then became the mayor of Houston for many years. The first time I ever met him was actually before I even began dating his granddaughter. I didn't really even know her, but I remember... I had some projects back when I was working in local television. I had to go to Houston for something, and it required meeting the mayor. So I went into City Hall, walked right in, and met him. <laughs> and he helped me. And then a couple of years later, it turns out I was dating his granddaughter, and then and then we were married. And, when was uh, he mayor? How long was he mayor? This I don't know how long, uh, Roger, but when I met him and he was the acting mayor, this would have been in about 2004. Yeah. So you're talking about 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, so very late in life, you know, he's just very, very highly thought of. He sung in the choir at First Baptist Church, Houston, for 50-plus years. 
Um, <clears throat> he uh, had three children. My mother-in-law, Debbie, his only daughter, two sons. His youngest son, Mike Smith, actually passed away from cancer last year in 2018. Um, bunch of grandchildren all over the place. Great grandchildren as well. And my daughter, my wife and I, we have one child. She's actually named after Mrs. Smith. And she loved her pop. In fact, last night, um, pop was still in the hospital, but they had signed the hospice papers and were getting him home. He had a midnight ride in an ambulance. He just wanted to get home. And they got him home, and he spent one night back at home, passed away this morning. Uh, but before he left the hospital, they were waiting. They were getting, a, they were kind of frustrated with how long it took to finally get on an ambulance and get him back to Houston. And my wife FaceTimed us <clears throat> because my daughter really wanted to see Pop. And even though he's in a bed, and you know he probably didn't look his best there on the phone FaceTiming from a hospital bed after being there three or four days, he was bound and determined to see my daughter on FaceTime so that she could see him. And he loved to hear her sing. He loved to hear my daughter sing. And so she sang a song for him and told him she loved him. And they said goodbye, you know. And uh, so he made it back to Houston, spent one night, and then he passed away this morning. So our family is grieving and will be for several days. He was really a special guy. It's one of those where um, he had that quality. Not everybody does. Sometimes this gets thrown around, but. He really did have that quality of he made everybody kind of feel like you were his favorite. He had the ability, like with me, you know, I, I'm not blood relative. I married his granddaughter. But there were times where we had some great conversations. I always enjoyed and I looked forward to getting to talk to Pop, especially if it could just be me and him. I'd learn something. He'd always give good advice. He always had something humorous to throw in there. <laughs> And I just always look forward to it. He always had this ability to make you feel like you were really special to him. <laughs> and I wish I had that ability. I'm not sure that I do. I, I just, in fact, I know I don't. I don't. I don't guess I have that ability. But I am going to miss him. I sure am. But you know, 94 years, and was just incredible, an incredible life. And so. Um, I'll miss him. So uh, this is a Friday show. If Monday is a little different, I hope you'll under, you know, understand. But I will have some special things for you Monday, even though we're getting you know closer and closer to football. Um, I'll keep you posted. Follow me on Twitter, and I'll keep you posted with updates there as well. At Radio Wyatt, that's me. Hit me up that way. All right, so appreciate everyone tuning in. And listening to the show in the Farm Bureau studio, Farm Bureau, go with the home team. And glad I'm able, storms and all, able to stay connected to you via C Spire. The number one network in Mississippi, C Spire, customer inspired. Have a great weekend, everyone. See y'all then around the corner. See ya. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.